grief and pain Every cause you have for shame Lay it all down Lay it all down Welcome cares have buried you And there's nothing left to do Lay it all down Lay it all down At the feet of Jesus At the feet of Jesus Lay it all down, lay it all down
testimony. Everyone overcome. We will. I can see the love in your eyes. 
Jesus, you paid my debt. 
by your blood I have redemption and salvation Lord you died that I might reap what you have sown and you rose that I might be a new creation I was born again by grace grace alone was in darkness all of my life Never knew the day from the night But spirit you moved in me I swore I knew the way on my own Full of rocks, a heart made of stone But spirit you moved in me And at your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened on my dark heart the light of Christ has shone called into a kingdom that cannot be shaken heaven citizen by grace and grace alone and I'll stand in faith by grace and grace alone and I will run this race by grace and grace alone And I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone And I will reach the end by grace and grace alone I was an orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call But Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne But Father, you love me still Good morning, church. Welcome to the Crossbridge live stream service. I'm Janet, one of the presiders here at church, and I'm so glad that you could join us this morning. If you're at home with family or your roommates, take a minute to gather together. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Dear Jesus, we give you thanks, Lord, for loving us. Um, thank you for being our creator. We leave our worries and distractions of the day today behind us and we focus on you. We thank you for giving us this new day where your mercies are also new. Amen. 
Over to you, Lauren, and the worship team. Good morning, and welcome to Crossbridge. As we continue our sermon series in Acts, we read in Acts 10.43, All the prophets testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So today we'll be singing about God's grace to us. The first two songs will be about God's grace in saving us, and the third will be about God's continued grace throughout our lives, no matter our circumstances. Please join us in worship. All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered, mended and whole, empty handed. Forsaken, I've been set free. I've been set free. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears.
the time for tithes and offerings. God has indeed richly blessed us with his abundant grace, and this is an opportunity for us to return back some of that blessing. If you would like to give, you can find a link on the website underneath this live stream video.
Thank you, Lauren and the worship team for leading us in song this morning. Once again, good morning, everyone. I'm Janet, a member of uh, the presiding team here at Crossbridge, and I wanna welcome you. I'm so glad that you're spending Sunday morning with us today. We'll now be entering into a time of congregational prayer. Today, we'll be praying for our ministry partner, Hannah Pang. Hannah Pang serves with Bridge International. Hannah, along with Ying, are both working in evangelism and in making disciples among the international students in the Boston campuses. Let's watch a video directly from Hannah. Hi everyone, my name is uh, Li Yuan, Hannah from Bridges International. Um, I have some praise and prayer to share with you all. Uh, the first praise is um, for Akshat. Uh, Akshat uh, is a new undergrad freshman from India to Northeastern. Uh, so great to meet him uh, in person this month. Um, and Aaron is a student leader uh, who uh, came with me to meet him over lunch. Um, uh, and uh, second is uh, Yuyo. Uh, uh, she's at our BU Discipleship Group. And this month and last month, we have been um, praying together almost every day. And uh, because of the prayer, our relationship got really close uh, in Christ. And uh, the third is about uh, Fang Fang, Fiona. Uh, she's a believer student in Northeastern, and she has been inviting her friends to, to Bridges, and uh, she's uh, so waiting to share her own testimony to other students in Northeastern. And um, uh, please also pray for us, uh, for our team, and especially pray for my conversation with Anxiot. Uh, hope uh, we can um, talk about faith deeper and uh, have more following conversations. And uh, also pray that uh, he could have interest in knowing more about Jesus Christ. And um, also pray for Yo-Yo and uh, Fang Fang. Uh, they are graduating this May and Fang Fang will be staying in Boston for work and uh, Yo-Yo will be going back home. And so pray for her communication with her parents uh, back in China and also pray that she could uh, be a blessing and witness for Christ. And, um, and also pray for this summer uh, that our team can um, uh, prepare well and uh, plan events and welcome the new students uh, and BU and Northeastern campus. Yeah, uh, thank you and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Hannah. Please join me in prayer, everyone. Jesus, we love you. Your word is life to us. You provide for all our needs. You take delight in us and you give us everlasting hope. We confess our sins and leave them at the foot of the altar this morning. Cleanse us and make us new. Thank you for loving us and paying the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be saved by your grace alone. Jesus, we pray about the coronavirus. We pray for those that are suffering, for the high numbers in various parts of the states, and for the surging numbers elsewhere in the world, like India, Brazil, where vaccines are not readily available to the populations. We ask for your mercy and hope. Today, we corporately lift up Hannah Pang, who serves with Bridge International alongside Ying. We thank you for Hannah's continued service. We pray for overflowing joy, to sustain her when times are trying and to spread to those around her. Fill her with peace. We praise you for the fruit she has witnessed. For Aksha, the Indian undergrad student, 
for Yuyo and her growth as a result of regular prayer. As she prepares to go back to China, may you go ahead of her, let her be a blessing to her family, soften their hearts and enable her to share about her relationship with you. We lift up Fang Fang. Thank you for her growth and desire to share her testimony with others. As she's transitioning to working in Boston, keep her walking close to you. We pray for more spiritual conversations with Akshat and with the new Indian graduate students and the other students that will cross paths with Hannah. May you also continue working in those that are graduating and leaving Boston. We pray all this in Jesus' name. We'll be reciting the Acts Litany as we have been in previous weeks during our study of Acts. I'd like to invite my special guests who will be helping me today. Please also read along where it says response. Hi, hi. After Jesus died and rose again, he started something new. It was called the church to form this body of believers. He gave them power. You will, you will receive, receive power, power when, when the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Then he gave them a message. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, repent and be baptized. Then he gave them a fellowship. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Then he confirmed the message with signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then came persecution. They arrested, they arrested the apostles, stoned Stephen, killed James with the sword, and there, and there arose, arose a, a, great a great persecution. But the word of God is not bound, and the church continued to witness boldly in the name of Jesus. He, he has, has risen from the dead. Everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins, of sins through, through his name. All of these things remain true for us because we are the church. He has given us power, a message, a fellowship, and signs and wonders. And if persecution comes, his word will not be bound. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts. I'll give you a minute to grab your Bibles. I'll be reading from Acts chapter 10 through verses one, or Acts chapter 10 verses one through chapter 11 verse four and chapter 11 verses 15 to 18. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, 
he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call, uh, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask where Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. 
So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Acts 11, 15 to 18. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord how he said, John baptized with water, but you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. May God bless the reading of his word. Today we have Minister Kola, who is preaching on our ongoing series, The Church Unleashed. Today's sermon is titled, To the Gentiles, Part 1. Over to you, Kola. Good morning, Crossbridge. I'm really excited to, to preach for you today and be part of this live stream. And, and especially because, you know, I, I realized at the end of the month, in just a week or so, it'll only be four more months until I'm finished with my term here. You know, I can't believe it's already been eight months, and because I only you know, preach once a month, I realize what a how few opportunities I have left to just share the word of God with you and share the truth and the conviction that I have about this truth with you. And so I, I want to take advantage of every time I have to preach, yeah, and to serve you. So on that note, I really want to get into the the, the word of God today. What God has for us and how he wants to speak to our hearts today. And, and as this week, as I was preparing the, 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 the sermon 
and as I was preparing pre-studies for Karis and ICF, I was thinking a lot about, you know, what, what does it mean to live as a Christian? I was thinking about the Christian life. You know, and, and as you think about it right now, if someone were to ask you, what does it mean to live as a Christian? How would you respond? Yeah, I, I mean, think about it, right? Just take, take a second. How do you respond? You know, if, if there's someone next to you, talk to them. How would you respond if, if someone asked you, what does it mean for you to be a Christian? You know, because I, I was thinking about it this week, too, as I was preparing studies for Karis and ICF was praying this. And, and I think that there's a lot of ways you can answer it today. And I'm not going to say as we, the passage that we're studying today is the only way. But I do want to share with you what this passage today says about what it means to live as a Christian. And what this does, what this passage says is that as a Christian, God often initiates and you might say that God often opens doors and that we as Christians ought to boldly and confidently and courageously respond and walk through those doors that God opens. And what we see today is that God opens a door for the Gentiles to come and become part of the faith, to become part of the body of Christ. But what it took is two people from two different areas of life to respond with boldness and courage and humility for that to happen. So first, the, the way I want to go through, there's a lot of text. And thank you for reading all of the text. There's a lot of it. But what I, the way I want to go through today is I want to look at the two characters, Cornelius and Peter, and how God initiated both for Cornelius and Peter, but then how they took steps of faith and courage in response to God's initiation. So first, I want to talk about Cornelius. Now, what does this say about Cornelius, right? We look in the beginnings of chapter 10 in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to people, and prayed continually to God. Okay, so the first thing, as we're introduced with Cornelius, it says, what does it say about him? That he was a centurion. Ooh, what's a centurion? Okay. Well, you might know, and it might be in your study Bible, a centurion was a, a Roman military officer who was in charge of a hundred men. Think century. Century is a hundred years. Centurion, a Roman official, was in charge of a hundred men. That's who Cornelius was. That's his position. That's his title. Now, what it says about him is that he was a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously, and prayed continually to God. Now it says, he feared God with his, his whole household. And he did all these good things. But he wouldn't be considered one of the people of God, like a Jewish person. Or even too, uh, previously, when we talked, when there was controversy in the church, and the disciples said, we can't, we can't just spend all of our time serving bread. They chose seven people to help serve. And, and in those people, there, there was one person who wasn't Jewish. He was a Gentile. And it says in, in, it's in uh, Acts 6, uh, verse 5, and his name was Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. 
All right, so what a proselyte was, is he was a Gentile who assumed all of the Jewish customs, circumcision, food rites, ritual cleansing, purity. That's what a proselyte was, a Jewish, a Gentile person who assumed all the Jewish rituals and identity and became a person of God, who assumed the culture. Cornelius over here was a Gentile who feared God, who did good things, but was still considered an outsider in the Jewish community, not considered truly one of the people of God. That's setting the stage for Cornelius. This is who Cornelius was. Now, God initiates. And we read what happens. God initiates in verse 3. At about the ninth hour of the day, and the ninth hour was a time to pray. So about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And it continues to say that Cornelius responded immediately. And he sent two servants and one of his guards to go see Peter. Now God initiates with someone who's considered an outsider, someone who's considered not a, per, not a part of the people of God. Yes, he was devout, but he was not considered one of, the, one of the true, one of the faithful, one of God's people. God initiated with Cornelius. But what we see about Cornelius is that he responded in faith. Now, Cornelius could have just said, well, I'll do it another time, right? Or maybe he might have said, I'm a Roman centurion. He could have said, I am in charge of a hundred men. Why would I go to find a random Jewish man named Peter? Or maybe he would have heard about Peter and said, oh, well, it's Peter, he was a fisherman. He's an uneducated man. What does he have to tell me about God, someone who is faithful, someone who is devout? Or he might have been thinking, this might be an awkward conversation for me because I am a Roman centurion. And the Romans have taken over a huge swath of the world, but for Jewish people, they've taken over the land. They rule with violence over the land of Israel. And the Jewish people would say, these are our oppressors. These are the people who not only are on the outside of the people of God, but they're the people actively persecuting the people of God. And Cornelius might have said, I represent that oppression for a Jewish man named Peter. Should I even go and send my people out to him? Should I even like receive him? But what Cornelius does when God initiates is that he boldly and with faith responds and does what God tells him to do. And we see his attitude, the attitude that Cornelius had when Peter came, when we read. It says this in verse 23. So he invited them to be his guests. The next day he arose as Peter and went with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him, verse 24. 
and the following day they entered Caesarea's. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together with his relatives and close friends. He brought everyone around him, and when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Cornelius didn't come to this with an attitude of pride saying, I'm better than you because I have a position, because I'm educated, because I'm a man of status. He fell down at his feet. Cornelius came and responded to what God called him to do with real, genuine humility. He did it immediately as he sent his servants. He did it eagerly. And he invited, he, did, he recognized that it wasn't just for him. He invited his entire family and believed that when, when God said to invite Peter, that God was going to work and he invited everyone around him. God initiated. He gave Cornelius a vision. But Cornelius also responded in faith. He responded with humility and he, he, he overcame the awkwardness of a different status. He overcame the awkwardness of a different culture. He overcame the awkwardness of meeting the person that he oppresses. Cornelius responded in faith. And when we see his response in faith, we know that the Holy Spirit came down upon everyone who was there in that house and they were baptized. And God said, you're, with, with, when the Spirit came, that's God saying, you're now part of the family of God. You, as a Roman, as an, as an oppressor, as someone who was on the outside and was considered by those who were the people of God, enemies of the people of God, God says, now you have become part of of the people of God. Think about who your enemy is. Think about the person who is furthest away from you, who persecutes Christians, who maybe hates them, who maybe makes your life really difficult. And imagine stepping out in faith and meeting that person. Think about it in Peter's perspective, right? Because when it, when, when it says for Peter, when, when Peter gets his vision, he's just minding his own business and it actually says that he's hungry, right? Peter's, Peter's hungry in verse 9. The next day as they were on the journey, ten, chapter 10, verse 9, and approaching the city, Peter went up on the household and six hour to pray. Notice that idea of they were praying. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common. Another word to translate that might be defiled, impure, dirty, or unclean. And the voice came to him again, and a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter, on, on, on his heart, on, on his behalf, you now he was praying, but God sends him a vision. God sends him this vision of all these animals coming down. And now we, 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 we must enter into Jewish culture a little bit to explain what this is about. 
And now as a Jew, one of the things that defined them about their culture and about their rituals and what it meant to, as a Jew to be the people of God was how they ate and how God in Leviticus 11 gave them specific commands about which animals they could eat and which animals they couldn't eat. And as, as this blanket, as this thing from heaven descends with all of these animals on it, it specifically mentions that there were some, there were some birds and there were some reptiles on there too. Specific things that God said, don't eat, right? With all the animals. And, but God says to Peter, kill and eat. Now what's happening here is, is a, a, a redefinition of what it means to be a, a follower of God, to be Jewish, to be a person that person who identifies as God's people. Because Peter says, and his response to God is, I've never eaten anything unclean, but God responds, what I have made clean. He says, there are things that are on that that were previously considered unclean, but God says, what I have made clean. Don't call common or defiled or impure or unclean. And it's a shift. It's a shift that begins. And ultimately we know that what this is talking about is not just food rituals, not just food rights, but it's talking about the inclusion of Gentiles. Because Gentiles previously, by definition of the name Gentile, were not Jews, were not people of God. And they were considered meeting with them considered unclean. They were common. They were impure. They were on the outside. And what we see in this vision is the beginnings of a change of mind, a change of thought about who is the people of God. And this would be a radical transformation. But right now, in the moment, it says Peter was puzzled. But in the puzzlement, God says, hey, downstairs there are three men waiting for you. Go with them, follow them. Now, when Peter walks down the stairs, he would have seen in triangle formation, probably two servants in the back and a Roman soldier in front. And he would have been thinking, I don't know if I really would like to go with this Roman soldier. And now it says that they explain the situation of their master. And it would have gotten worse for Peter. Because they would have said, your master's a centurion? Your master's one of the people who oppresses all of us Jews? I don't know if I want to go with you. That sounds like a bad idea. Because what could happen is, he, as a Roman official, could kill me without any repercussions. He is the person that symbolizes oppression for my people, the people of God. I don't know if I would ever want to go with him. Yet, because God initiated, God said, go, Peter, with courage, with humility in going to his oppressor, said, I'll go. And he responded to God's initiation, to God's calling with courage. And maybe a little bit of reluctance. Because when Peter meets them, after Cornelius, you know, bows down and worships at his feet, he says in verse 28, 28, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And he's kind of saying in a backhand compliment, I shouldn't be here and you're common or unclean. 
But he says, I shouldn't call you that. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then why you sent for me. And, and, and maybe, maybe we might be reading too much into that. That just might be narrative prose, right? But there might have been a little bit of reluctance. Peter shouldn't have been there by law, by Jewish custom, by law. He shouldn't have been associating with the Gentile, but he says he took a step of faith and followed God. And he responded to God. And he hears out Cornelius. And when he hears out Cornelius, he says, of course, this was God planning this. And, and what he does is he sees that God was initiating this. God was planning this. And what he does is he takes advantage of this with boldness and conviction and shares the gospel. The saving grace of Jesus and who Jesus was, the son of God, with the one who he should have hated, whom he should have oppressed. And think about this too. He's in a room full of presumably Roman soldiers and also the friends of Cornelius who are probably high-level Roman officials and his family. It takes boldness and courage to share the gospel, to share who Jesus is. Yet he takes advantage. He, God says there's a door and he walks through it and he, and he presents the gospel. And God responds by sending his spirit. God, again, initiates and confirms by sending his spirit. And what does Peter do? He, he takes Cornelius and he baptizes Cornelius and everyone who is there who's filled with the spirit. And baptism, what that means is when you're baptized, you're entering in to the death and resurrection of Jesus. You're entering in to the church body as a witness. And what does Peter do? When he baptizes Cornelius, he's saying, the person who was my oppressor, the person who was a Gentile on the outside, the person who was not a person of God, now enters in to the church. The person who was once my enemy and is, is now my brother. That's Peter's response to God in boldness. And we recognize that there's controversy to that. We recognize how hard that would have been for other Jewish people to accept. Because when he goes back to the church in chapter 11, everyone in the church is like, what happened? Verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard everyone. It says everyone heard. That's what it's saying. The apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order. And so what, what's happening here is that everyone has heard about what's happened. Gentiles entering into the church, into the people of God, without accepting Jewish rites? What does that mean? It's, it was wrong by their customs. Now, the, the circumcision party the, the reason circumcision was important is because it was a sign given to Abraham that anyone who was a person who entered into the people of God should be circumcised as a sign that they were a person of God. Now, the circumcision party, there are people who not just upheld circumcision, but all the circumcision as a representation of all Jewish rights. And they're not just being, hey, you know, you need to, you know, 
the ritually pure and do, you know, it's like the, the reason that they were so upset about this is because these laws, all of these things were about identity, but then also were to protect, protect the church, protect them from wandering, protect them from idolatry, protect them from being defiled and impure and losing what it means to be their identity. The circumcision party was there to try to protect the essential nature of what it meant to be a person of God. Now they were getting it wrong, but that was their heart. That was their intention. And Peter, again, as he has responded to the act of faith by Cornelius, as he has responded to the vision of God, God sending the Holy Spirit and confirming to the church that Cornelius ought to enter in, he he still has to defend himself and respond with faith to the church. Now, previously, before... In Acts, we read that the main opposition to the church was outside of the church. It was the Jews who said, this is wrong, and put them into prison and beat them and persecuted them. And it says Paul, or not Paul yet, but Saul was breathing out threats and murder to the church. He was putting people in prison, men, women, children in prison. Later on, we'll read that Roman officials would start killing Christians as well. That's only a few chapters away, right? So usually the threat was outside of the church, but what Peter needs to do is defend himself inside of the church. And yet he responds courageously and says, this is what God has done. What can I say? And the reason why this takes such a big step of faith is because if Gentiles are being included in without becoming Jew, without having to follow all the Jewish rituals of circumcision, of food right, this is a huge shift. It's a monumental shift in what it means to be a follower of God. And Peter holds his ground and says, if this is what God initiated, I'm courageously going to step into this, even if it's different than it's been before. Even if, even if it's someone who is formerly on the outside, even if it was someone who used to be my enemy, I'm going to courageously believe what God is doing and step in in faith and respond humbly. And the end result, as he shares what God has done, is this at the end of verse at the end of chapter 11 verse 18 when they heard these things they fell silence and they glorified God saying then to the gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life what does that mean the the result of this story is that the church now recognizes that God has grafted in has brought in the people the gentiles who by definition weren't the people of God they now can become the people of God that means you and me the result of this story is that we because of acts of faith in Cornelius because of acts of faith in responding to God's initiation for Peter have been grafted in, are now part of the church, are now bears witness to the whole church that we can be part of the church. We see the testimony. We see the witness of the story that, was, that God initiated. God gave Cornelius a message and he obeyed. He responded with faith. God gave Peter a vision and told him to go to the one who oppressed him. Peter went in faith and responded in faith and defended his decision, what God did in faith. 
And I will propose to you today that we ought to be people who do the same. Look at the enormous benefit. It shifted the trajectory, the shape of Christianity. Now Gentiles were grafted in because they saw what God was doing and responded courageously. And my appeal to you today is that when we think of Christian life, and maybe just this week, that we would do the same. We would do the same. And, and, and so I, I want to leave you with, with, two, with two ideas and two ways that we might be able to respond this week. Maybe even as we're singing the response song, that you would consider these two things. The first is, are you putting yourself in a place where you're able to hear and see how God is initiating, see what God is doing? Both Peter and Cornelius, as I mentioned before, they were praying. You know, Cornelius was praying, praying at the time of the day when it was regular to pray. That's when Peter, before, was going to the temple to pray, and he saw the man who was lame, and he healed the man being lame. That, that was a time of prayer in the day, and Cornelius was praying, and God met him. God showed him a vision. Peter also, too. He was in a place, he was praying and God showed him a vision. They were both in places where there was a regular time of intimacy with God and seeking him. If we want, if we want to be able to see God's initiation, what, what God is doing, if we want to see how God moves, we ought to be people who are regularly spending time with God. And maybe too, even asking God, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Are our eyes open? Are we looking for opportunities? Are we in prayer with God, seeking out opportunities to see what God is doing? I want to challenge you this week as we're in our response song to maybe just close your eyes and as we sing Spirit of the Living God, ask the Spirit of the Living God who is in us and ask Him, where are you calling me this week? What are you calling me to do this week? How are you trying to move? Would you give me eyes to be able to see how you would want me to move? Whether it be with my family, maybe I have kids, maybe I need to give a, a, a word of encouragement to my spouse, maybe, maybe I need to encourage one of my kids, maybe I need to give a, a word of encouragement to a parent or maybe to a friend or a coworker. But would we say, Lord, would you, would we pray this? Lord, would you help us to give us eyes to see what you're doing? Help us give ears to hear what you're saying. Would you take time this week in your regular quiet times to make a part of it to ask and listen and pray, God, what do you want me to do at home, in my workplace? How are you initiating, God? And I think the second, th that's the first thing, to ask God, help me to see what you're doing. But the second part is, Lord, would you help me to be courageous in responding to what you're doing? Because there are, t haven't there, have, have, we ha have you had this experience where you've had the opportunity to, to talk to someone? You, you know, you said, oh, maybe I could talk about my faith here. Your heart starts pounding. You said, oh, no, maybe I don't want to talk to this person. Or maybe I don't know how this is going to come across. Or you become nervous and then you don't have courage and you're scared. 
would you pray not only that you would have eyes to see what God is doing in your life this week, but also pray that, that God would give you courage and boldness to, that when God says, here's the door, walk through it, that we'd have boldness to walk through the door. We'd have boldness to say, you know, if it's someone that we might not like, or maybe someone that's different than us, or maybe someone that has hurt us previously to say, God, would you give me humility and boldness, just like Peter had to lay down his right to be angry with Cornelius, say, would you give me boldness and help me walk in faith and respond to what you're doing? In ICF, we're finishing up the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God and it talks about the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what Paul says is, would you pray for the saints and for me that we would have boldness to take the offensive in the spiritual battle? Would you give boldness to say what I ought to say? Even Paul asks for it and asks for the saints. So would you today, as we're in this response song, as you're in your regular quiet times, as you're reading the word of God, would you ask him to say, Lord, would you help me to see this week at my workplace, at my home, what you're doing? And also pray, Lord, would you give me boldness? Would you give me courage? Would you give me humility to lay down my right to say no and my pride? That when, you, when God initiates that we would respond with boldness and courage and conviction. There are a lot of ways to consider the Christian life. But I will propose for you this week that the Christian life is God initiates and we respond to God's initiation with boldness. That God shows us the door and that we would walk through. We'd walk through the door. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to live with conviction. Lord, would you give us eyes to see what you're doing in our lives, to see your will, to see what you have for us. And we pray too, Lord, that you would give us strength and courage to respond to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Receive this benediction. May God give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to feel and know what he is doing and give us the courage 
to respond with conviction and passion. Amen. Thank you, Lauren and the worship team. And also thank you, Minister Kohler, for today's important message. I can't believe that it's already been eight months. And as you said, we only have four more months with you. It's not time to say goodbye yet, but thank you for serving our church community. Once again, on behalf of our live stream service here at Crossbridge, we're so glad that you could join us today, this Sunday morning. If this is your first time joining us, and if you're relatively new, we look forward to when we can meet you in person. Members of our welcome team would still love to meet you virtually or get connected uh, to, sorry. Um, you can go to crossbridge.life, click on the Get Connected tab of our website and fill out the form so our welcome team can follow up with you virtually. The link to that form is also listed on the Order of Worship page for this service. A couple of things to highlight today. Uh, just wanted to congratulate Jeff Wong, who was ordained yesterday and is officially now Pastor Jeff Wong. We are so pleased to have you and your growing, growing family here at Crossbridge with us. It really is a time to celebrate your journey, bringing you to this day. A special congratulatory message from my girls who were very, very excited for the car parade and cake. This note didn't quite make it to the parade yesterday, so here it is now, and don't mind the typo. Um, some other announcements. Two weeks ago, we had our very first person, uh, very first in-person worship service after starting online services just over a year ago. Our next in-person service will be on May 9th. We are following CDC guidelines. The limit has increased now to 50 people. Please use the Eventbrite link in the email that was just sent out last night from, from Miranda to reserve your spot. Child dedications have been moved to June 13th during our in-person service. If you're interested in having your child dedicated, please contact Pastor Jeff Arthurs. Before we end the service, if there are any of you who would like to receive prayer or pray with someone, you can submit a prayer request online. Our prayer team is ready to pray with you after service today or later in the week, whatever is most convenient for you. Fill out the Google form that's linked in the Order of Worship page or the CB Livestream email. Lastly, just like we have every week, we have a virtual Zoom lobby for fellowship after service. Bring your lunch and catch up with other Crossbridge members. The Zoom link is also listed on the Order of Worship page or the CB Livestream email. God bless you. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Thanks, everyone.
lifted up, he defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in his name we overcome, for the Lord our God is God is with us, God is on our side, He will make a way. Far above all we know, far above all we hope, He has done great things. Lifted up, He defeated the grave. Praise to life, our God is able. In His name we overcome. For the Lord, our God is able. And God is with us. He will go before. He will never leave us. He will never leave us. God is for us. He has open arms. He will never fail us. He will never fail us. Lifted up, defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able. In his name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able. Lifted up, he defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able. In his name we overcome. For the Lord, our God is able. For the Lord, our God is able. For the Lord, our God is
Majesty, the wonder. 